The reading this morning is from Luke chapter 1, verses 5 to 19, and can be found on page 1025 in the Red Bibles. We have Bibles in other languages and versions available at the back, and page numbers for those are on the screen. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks very much indeed, uh, Hannah, for reading that. Uh, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we pray as we uh, start to look at this uh, opening chapter of Luke that we would behold you, our God. Lord, our eyes would be lifted uh, to who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, we're starting a, a new um, short series as we head into Advent, um, uh, and um, we called it uh, Season's Greetings, um, not to kind of run ahead of ourselves too much, um, but... Um, it comes from later in the chapter when uh, the angel um, speaks to uh, Mary and brings greetings. Um, and then a little later after that, Mary goes to Elizabeth and brings uh, greetings. And that phrase, season greetings, often around at this time of year. Um, I'm very aware that we have spent um, some kind of quite serious time through this term looking at the book of Genesis and uh, the messy lives of the people in Genesis. Um, and it's been quite serious and sober at times. Um, and Luke, as he writes, and what I hope we'll capture in this short series over the next three weeks, 
uh, is something of the wonder and something of the joy of the gospel which speaks into that mess that comes out of that history of God's people. Um, that there is a sense of greetings, of good news, that uh, God's salvation plan, the one we've been talking about uh, all these weeks, in particular is being reignited, kick-started, rekindled. Um, if you've got an ear for our culture at the moment, uh, you'll probably know lots of the stories um, that are being enjoyed and told are, um, are reviving older stories. There's a sense of you might be enjoying you know, uh, stories that are, or movies that are kind of come from the 80s or the 90s and are reviving stories that uh, perhaps we've uh, had before. Um, and there's a particular power for um, some storytellers, I think, in taking something that seems like it's old and it's gone and it's past it and it's gathering dust and breathing new life into it, seeing it kind of re-spark and rekindle. Um, now, I'm going to try and make a link here, which is that what I'm going to try and tell you is that Luke is the uh, the J.J. Abrams of his day. Okay, J.J. Abrams is a movie director. I'm aware that the uh, Star Wars franchise is about to kind of reach its next stage in the next couple of weeks, uh, for those of you who will enjoy that. There is a moment, uh, this idea of reviving something uh, that looks like it was past it was a key part a couple of years ago of the, the first of the revived Star Wars movies. Um, uh, so powerful, in fact, uh, that I thought I'd show you a short clip of it. Um, uh, so I think we're going to watch uh, this. I won't spoil what exactly is being revived uh, until you see it here, and then I'll talk about it. We cannot run them! We might! In that quad jumper! Hey, we need a pilot! We've got one! Okay, we'll come back to that later. Um, this, this ship hasn't flown in years. Now, what I'm basically going to tell you this morning is that um, what Luke is doing with God's salvation plan is uh, that it is like the Millennium Falcon, okay? Uh, if you can get this in your... For those of you who uh, uh, this will spark uh, an interest, the idea this ship hasn't flown in years. It has been gathering dust. It has been sitting there doing nothing. It's garbage. And yet suddenly, and if you're anybody who's enjoyed these movies, you know there's this kind of thrill of excitement that something like that is being given new life. Suddenly it's being breathed into again. And that is what captures the tone and feel of what Luke is doing here um, at the start of this. So I've got a couple of headings, the first of which is that actually God hasn't given up um, uh, uh, on his salvation plan. Um, the, the opening begins in the time of Herod, king of Judea. There was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division uh, of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant uh, of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. Uh, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. 
Um, it, it's important to know where we are exactly in um, uh, the history of, of what I've been describing. And here we are um, at the end of the Old Testament, when the Old Testament books finish. Uh, whether you, you probably know this, there's about roughly 400 years or so uh, before we get to where we are now with Luke chapter 1 and the New Testament. Now, 400 years where relatively little seems to happen or is heard of from God. Now, it's extraordinary when you think about it, isn't it? If you ever ask yourself the question, God, where are you? What are you doing? Is anything going on? For 400 years, they may well have asked that question. Uh, where are you? What are you doing? Uh, for 400 years, and Zechariah um, appears at this uh, opening to, to Luke, a priest. Um, now, he's not particularly significant, um, he is one of the priestly divisions of Abijah. Um, uh, there were loads of divisions of priests. Uh, he's one of them. Um, and he's there. It's, in fact, it's Elizabeth who has the connections, if you like. Uh, Elizabeth is the descendant of Aaron. Aaron, uh, a, a key figure in the Old Testament. And what Luke does is he, if you imagine, here is the temple And for 400 years, what has been happening? God's people are just there, and they're kind of going through the motions, maybe. Um, The the temple is still in existence. It's just kind of, you know, the the old patterns are there. Um, And he moves, the camera almost moves with Zechariah uh, into the temple at the point at which, uh, verse 8, we'll come back to uh, um, him and his wife not being able to conceive uh, in a moment. Um, Verse 8, when Zechariah's division was on duty, he was serving as a priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Uh, And when the time came for burning incense, he and all the assembled worshippers were praying um, outside. Now, I mentioned that he's one of a number of divisions. Do you know there were so many priests that um, they they had this kind of rotation system, um, and they drew lots to go, this is probably his once-in-a-lifetime duty to go and do this in the temple. Can you imagine that? Now, you, th- you might think we have enough clergy or too many clergy, but seriously, they had that many that you basically got to do this once in a Imagine you, this is my once-in-a-lifetime shot up here. <laughs> um, so, we might, no, let's not follow that race. Um, so, if uh, he's there and it is once-in-a-lifetime, you, you sort of sense that kind of the, the temple is just in existence, gathering dust, and then he gets a visit from an angel. Verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right-hand side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. Can you imagine the, um, uh, you go into the temple, it's your once-in-a-lifetime duty. There's an angel there, and you are stunned by this. Um, I don't know what the uh, social media would have been of the day. Um, You know, if you're a priest... And you've got this one shot opportunity and you go in and it turns out there's actually life in the temple and something is happening and you're just kind of completely taken aback by it. I wonder if that tells you about the uh, state of uh, the spiritual life of the people, uh, where God's people are at. You can imagine the uh, social media headlines, priests shocked to hear from God. But God hasn't given up. God hasn't gone away. God hasn't given up on his people or his plan. So, into the temple we go, and the angel says to him, 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Verse 13, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. And you are to call him John. Now, this, uh, if you don't know, this is going to be John the Baptist. Um, John the Baptist will be the forerunner um, for Jesus. This is the, um, uh, the early preparation for the coming of Jesus. Uh, your, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. He's going to be called John. He will be a great joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. Uh, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even before he is born. Uh, he will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, what is going on here? Um, the, the angel arrives and just sort of seems to blurt out all these different things. And they kind of come out in a, a, a torrent, uh, different things that he's saying. And they all um, relate to the Old Testament and they relate to God's salvation plan. Uh, have you ever been in a, um, a stadium or a concert hall or uh, somewhere where um, uh, there's a lot of lighting? And if you've ever been there when either the lighting has been, particularly if it's been turned on, and it, often it comes on in blocks and stages. You know, even our lights at the back do all different stages of here. And so lights come on. And as he speaks, it's almost as though sections of light are being turned on, being switched on of, from God's Old Testament salvation plan. Let me explain um, what I mean. Um, so the, the, he speaks to him about... Um, him and Elizabeth. Elizabeth will bear you a son. Uh, you're to call him John. Now that, uh, we know she was childless. They were childless. She wasn't able to conceive. And we thought, didn't we, earlier this term we saw um, in Genesis, that was a, a, a pattern from the Old Testament. We know Abraham um, and Sarah unable uh, to have children for a long period of time. Do you we came across the fact that Rebecca and Isaac in a similar situation, the pain and the hurt that that brought, and the waiting on God, the praying to God, which uh, they have done here too, and that prayer is now answered. And in the same way that God did in the Old Testament, those lights are going on as a childless couple conceive in old age. Uh, there's going to be a new giving of God's Holy Spirit um, in verse 15. He, uh, the, this, uh, this John, uh, this boy, uh, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Um, he's never to take wine or other fermented drink. I don't think that means he's a millennial. I think it just means um, uh, that he, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's kind of following that Old Testament pattern of being slightly set apart. Sorry if that was a terrible joke, um, if you're a millennial. Um, uh, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's going to be a new uh, outpouring of God's Spirit. Again, in the Old Testament, different figures, um, whether it was a, an individual, whether it was a prophet, occasionally a king, uh, there was a particular kind of outpouring of God's Spirit on them. And here, John is going to receive that same outpouring and that power of God's Spirit in him. Again, another set of lights go on uh, in, in the sort of the stadium of God's salvation plan. Uh, and uh, he will bring back many of uh, the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah. Again, another set of lights go on as this, this forerunner, it was once said that Elijah would return, and here that's being fulfilled and completed in John. Uh, another set of lights go on, and, and in that sense, perhaps the final sets, that these Old Testament prophecies 
of people turning back to God, a final set of lights goes on too. You see, the sort of the, the switches are being flicked, and God's salvation plan reignites. And so many of them, they really pile up. There's, we're meant to be um, sort of amazed if you're Zechariah. You, you, you would hope, as a priest, he might know that and be excited by it and thrilled by it. God hasn't given up on his plans. He's rekindling, reigniting uh, his salvation of his people. He's doing something really extraordinary here. But Zechariah... Um, Maybe understandably, I don't know what you make of him, can't quite believe it, and we'll think a bit more about that uh, next week. He can't quite believe it. So in verse 18, uh, he says, um, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Um, Not uh, a compliment I would recommend trying on your wife if you are married this morning. Um, How can I be sure of this? Um, My wife is well along in years, and the angel says to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And we haven't actually known his name at this point. He's just been an angel. But we're now told by him that he is Gabriel. Zechariah can't quite believe it. And maybe it is understandable. Over that period of time, over that long, wouldn't your expectations begin to fall a little? Wouldn't your expectations, your wonderings about what God might be doing, what he might be up to, wouldn't that uh, just be lowered? Uh, And even if you're a priest in the temple doing your once-in-a-lifetime duty and an angel appears to you, you're still not entirely sure that this is possible. It's quite a reminder, isn't it, of uh, the human heart and how how we can struggle uh, to believe what God is doing. But this is the climax. Gabriel says, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you. This is news from God himself. There is no higher point that this comes from. This is a directive from the president himself. There's no higher means by which this message has come to you. And if we, as we start this, you kind of imagine being there with Luke as he's laying out this story. He has that long sense of where God's people have been, that things have not been easy, that there's this gap waiting, but things are reigniting. And it sort of begins to creak uh, and, and, and uh, groan almost as it, as it begins to unfold, as God's salvation plan begins to take flight. That's, I guess, what he has in his mind. Um, I suggested we might come back to that. The, uh, if he's the J.J. Abrams of his day, this, uh, this clip, the, the, I think the investment he's got in his story and in the Millennium Falcon as you see it is what happens here as, as he decides how, how is he going to portray this, this ship that's been gathering dust, beginning to breathe life and make its way up. This is what, uh, this is what happens as it finishes. Down there. You ever fly this thing? No. This ship hasn't flown in years. Great. Oh. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. Yeah.
This is the temple. This is God's salvation plan. This is the priesthood. This is the people of God creaking and groaning and crashing their way up into the air in the Lord's plans. This is the, uh, the people of God just emerging out of this waiting and beginning to sense God is on the move and that he is reigniting his plan for his people. His plan for you and I. Uh, as John begins to emerge on the scene, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth, as the news comes of Jesus, of a saviour, of a rescuer, one who will come and inhabit humanity. And it's creaking back into life. And that line, this ship hasn't flown in years, I think Luke might say, yeah, that's what it was like. And it is just beginning to take off. And it's extraordinary. And it's exciting. And you might, I wonder what your emotions, your feelings are going into this Advent season. I imagine some of us have long, long lists of things that need to be done before Christmas. Some of us have uh, many different uh, complexities to family life that will need to be navigated over the next few weeks and will come into sharper focus around Christmas. We'll have work pressures to get what we need to get done. I wonder what we expect, what we imagine going into this Advent season. We may feel that uh, we are uh, very much on our own. And Luke is trying to say to us, you are part of a much, much bigger story that is being brought to life in God's salvation plan in Jesus. It might be that there, you, know, you just think, you look ahead and think there are just hours that I'm going to have to put in uh, for the family and for the things that need to be done. And I sometimes wonder, is it worth it, Lord? And you and I are part of a much bigger story that God is telling for his people and our salvation. It might be, I love this, as, uh, as this, um, this ship gets going, that is the look on her face, uh, Ray's face, is the sort of, whoa. And that may be the, the sort of overriding emotion that you have going into Advent. You know, Lord, if you're, if you're there, I'm, I'm, I'm buckled up and I'm holding on. And you are part of, and I'm part of a much bigger story that God is telling of his people and his salvation. And little Evie, uh, who we gave thanks for this morning, we pray, as with all of those uh, children who made their way out, are part of a much bigger story. And Luke tries to capture that with wonder and excitement and says, look, do you see? The Lord hasn't given up. Uh, He's not gone away. Uh, He's patient in ways that we can't quite understand. His salvation plan in in this moment in particular in Jesus just absolutely reignites and takes off. And something that you might have thought was old and dusty and done with is given new life. And there is great joy in that. And there is a thrill in that. And that he therefore surpasses all expectations. The expectations of Zechariah, who really wasn't expecting very much, clearly. And suddenly things are happening around him. So how do you go into this Advent season? What will you think about? What will you pray about? What will you reflect on? Who might you make connection with? What might God do in and through us, his people? Part of a great plan that he has.